So today we're talking about being enthusiastic. We're talking about enthusiasm. And really, I think there are two types of people in the world. There are those who let their environment dictate their enthusiasm and those who allow their enthusiasm to dictate their environment. Did you catch the difference with that? There are people who allow their environment, so what's going on around them, to dictate the level of enthusiasm they have in their life. And then there are those people who actually let their enthusiasm, the way they live their life, dictate what their environment looks like. And there's a pretty big difference in that. And as I was preparing this message this week, I was trying to think of examples of people who I really saw display enthusiasm in awesome ways. And I couldn't come up with anything greater than this. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, really? But then I thought about how, what a great example this was. So years ago, my wife and I, this is before we even had kids. Well, we had our, we had our fur baby, right? We had our little dog. That's our first child. If young couples, you ever been there, your first child's like a dog. And you think that's going to be like practice for a kid. It's not, because you can't leave your kid in the crate at home when you go out. At least you shouldn't, but that's another talk for another day. But anyway, so we were living in Memphis, Tennessee, and a few blocks from our house, there was a Little Caesars pizza. Little Caesars, anybody? Come on. It's good stuff, right? And so this was at the time, this was years ago, they actually had a guy holding a sign at one of the intersections telling people, ready, go get Little Caesars, five pizza, you know, $5 pizza, hot and ready, right? So they had the guy out there, and I remember driving by, and he just, you know, looked like any other sign holder, just holding the sign there, just kind of doing his thing. But then I noticed, like, the next day, a few days later, I drive by, and the guy's got earbuds in, and he's actually kind of starting to play the sign like a guitar, like air guitar, right? And he's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of rocking back and forth a little bit like that, and people were interested, honking and waving. A few days later, I go by. This guy has ramped it up to a whole nother level. I mean, he is Van Halen on this sign. I mean, he is like just shredding it, soloing. He's like jumping off a rock right there in the, on the side of the road and just, just killing it, like landing on his knees, just, and people were honking and waving. Little Caesars was probably selling so much pizza. I mean, it was crazy, and this is the thing. It actually became a thing. Like, the media picked up on it locally, and he's on the news now. He's in like the newspaper, it's like the Little Caesars air guitar guy, right? He's like a local celebrity, the enthusiasm that he showed. And that, I really hope if that kid didn't negotiate a contract with Little Caesars, he missed out because I can't even imagine how much pizza that place sold. People were probably like, I don't even like Little Caesars, but watch the way he plays that sign. I mean, he's just shredding it out there and people just were flocking to Little Caesars because of the enthusiasm that he had. And it wasn't even a real great environment, but it, you know, being on the side of the road, people were angry. They're in a hurry to get where they would go. But it was interesting as they would interview people where they would talk about, oh, yeah, the Little Caesars guy, just like, I just look forward to that in my commute each day. It just brings me so much joy to see him, right? People are honking. And they interviewed him, and he was talking about how at the beginning of it, people weren't always so nice when he wasn't really into it. They were, like, throwing bottles at him. I'm like, that's such a terrible job. The guy's just standing there holding the sign. He's getting beamed on the side of the head with a bottle. I mean, it's just a terrible thing. But then people were so excited as he got into it, and they're honking, right, and they're waving. I think people even brought their friends in town and he would go do the sightseeing in Memphis, and it's like, oh, and then we also have to go past the Little Caesars guy who's ripping it on his guitar. I mean, it was just that much of a thing because of the enthusiasm. So I just couldn't think of anything else that I've seen in my life where someone's enthusiasm made such an incredible impact on their environment. I mean, that intersection was a party every single day because a teenager just went out there and shredded that sign. It was amazing. I should have got his autograph. I don't know what I was thinking. Matter of fact, as I was thinking about this, I actually Googled it, and it still comes up, and they like, did years later. It's like, where's the Little Caesars guy now? And they like did an article on him. I'm, like, I'm serious. It's so true. It was just amazing to see the enthusiasm this guy had just playing this sign, just 
playing his heart out selling $5 hot and ready pizzas at Little Caesars. It's just amazing to see the enthusiasm that he had and how it changed his environment. And so as we talk about enthusiasm, yes, there are opportunities in our life where we can show that enthusiasm, but I really want to talk about spiritual enthusiasm. And so we can start with really what the word enthusiasm, where the meaning comes from, it actually comes from two words, on theos. On theos, which means in God are filled with God. So our word enthusiasm actually means in God are f- or filled with God. And so we see this enthusiasm actually can come from a spiritual place. So we'll take a look at a verse in 1 Corinthians 15, and it says this, But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So work enthusiastically for the Lord, and no matter what you do, if you're doing it for God, if you're doing it for the Lord, it is never useless. And so you can play a guitar like the Little Caesars guy out there, and he's shredding it and doing his thing, and you can be enthusiastic, but you got to know that sometimes in life when we do things, Sometimes people like to separate and say, well, there's things that we do for God, there's the sacred, and then there's the things that we just do in life that are secular that don't really have a spiritual meaning. But I really don't think that is true. Because a lot of people are like, well, Brian, you're a pastor, so that's a, that's a sacred thing you're doing, so you have to do that to the Lord. But really, I don't think there's a distinction, because I think this verse puts it so clear that no matter what you do, no matter what you put your hands to, if you're doing it for the Lord, we can do it with enthusiasm. We can do it with that on theos, being filled for God. Colossians actually takes it a step further and says this in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Not half-heartedly, right? Not just kind of, we'll just get by. It's good enough. With all of your heart, whatever you do, working for the Lord, not for humans. Not for human masters. So whatever you do, you are working for the Lord. So if this guy's out here just selling pizza, what kind of enthusiasm do we have knowing that we are doing the work that we do, no matter what we put our hands to, that we're doing it as unto the Lord? So that when we work for the Lord, we can have that enthusiasm no matter what we put our hands to. And I believe that enthusiasm is not a product of our environment as much as it is a posture of our hearts. Did you catch that? Enthusiasm is not as much as a product of an environment as much as it is is the posture of our hearts, the enthusiasm that we had. See, the Little Caesars guy, it wasn't a great environment being out in the middle of the intersection, but the enthusiasm changed that. And a few weeks ago, we talked about a guy named Paul who's in the New Testament, and he was telling people about Jesus. And he actually gets thrown in prison for it. It's kind of crazy, right? But he gets thrown in prison. It's a big deal. And you'd think that environment would really bring him down. But that's not, happens with, not what happens with Paul. The enthusiasm that he has. He's like, you think I'm in prison right now? Actually, I'm an undercover agent telling people here in the prison that I would have no access to about Jesus. And not only that, him and his buddy Silas start like a worship concert like right there in the middle of the jail because the enthusiasm that they had changed the environment that they were in. And I can think of no more (laughs) dreaded environment than being in prison. I mean, the enthusiasm that I would have, I'd probably have some enthusiastic words for God, but they probably wouldn't be coming out praise if you know what I mean. But that's what Paul did in that moment. It became from an overflow. It was born out of spiritual intimacy that he had in his life. 
So for the first of this message, I want to take a look at someone named David. Now, David lived in the Old Testament a long time ago, and many of you know the story of David. He became a king, but many of us recognize David from the story of David and Goliath, right? I mean, this is his name to claim, name to, his claim to fame. There we go. His claim to fame, David and Goliath. And if you know the story, we find out that the ontheos that David has started when he was a young boy. Matter of fact, he is going to go face Goliath, and it actually happens that he wasn't out there to actually take on Goliath. What happened was is that David's brothers, who were older than him, were fighting in the army. Everyone was way too chicken to go take on Goliath because he is a Philistine, and they were facing them, and he was a big dude, and it was just thrown down. Here's the gauntlet. You send your best guy out here, Israel, and I'll take you on, and whoever wins, we got this battle. Well, no one was going to do it. Everyone was chicken. No one was going to— and I can't blame them. I mean, this guy was a big dude, probably really intimidating. So David's not out there to fight. His dad actually sends him, because David's a little shepherd boy, and his dad actually sends him. David is actually the food truck. He sends him with the food truck. He's like bringing the tacos or whatever to his brothers to eat while they're out at battle. This is a true story. And so while he's bringing him the food, he actually overhears what's going on and sees Goliath taunting God's people. And David's like... <laughs> Who is this guy? Like, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's a dirtbag talking to people? I mean, he is just full of ontheos. And so we take a look at his story. In 1 Samuel 17, it says, David said to the Philistine, so he's addressing Goliath. Now, don't you love this? Shows up in the food truck, and he's ready to throw down. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Don't you love this guy? I mean, king material, right? This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. That's a pretty cocky prophecy there, right? You know, it's not even I'm going to take you Wow, you know, I'm going to come at you and bite your ankle. No, I'm going to cut your head off. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine, I love that, carcasses, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. Man, this is one young dude full of ontheos. He is full of enthusiasm. So the question is, where did David's enthusiasm come from? Where does a young shepherd boy delivering the food to his brothers who are in battle, where does that level of enthusiasm come from? And I really think it's three things we can take a look at today. The first one is that he trusted God daily. He trusted God daily. He walked with God daily. That's the second one. He trusted that he walked with God daily. And finally, he worshiped God daily. And so this is really where David's enthusiasm, the ontheos, being filled with God, where it came from. So he trusted God daily. How did he trust God daily? Well, David was a shepherd, and he had to watch over the sheep. And it was a big deal. I mean, that was a big job. You have to make sure that the sheep don't get eat, right? You don't want them to get et by everything else, right? You don't want the, the lions and the tigers and bears, oh my, to get them. And so David actually had to go after the lions and the bears that would try to attack the sheep. And so he saw that God delivered the lions and bears into his hands to protect his sheep. And he's like, hey, if God took care of me there when I was taking care of the lion and the bear, then he's going to do it again. And he's going to take care of me when I come at this Philistine, when I come at Goliath. See, he walked with God daily. See, David wasn't just one of those person where he'd like check the box off, right? Went to church today, check, you know, spent, you know, five minutes with God today, check. No, this was something that he did daily. And we see this in the 23rd Psalm, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is the story of a boy who walked with God daily, who understood what it was to have that relationship and that connection with God. And finally, he worshiped God daily. David was a worshiper at heart. Matter of fact, he wrote many of the Psalms that we have in the Bible. It's just a part of who he was. But I love the story that when David was king, there was this box called the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. If you ever saw any of the old Indiana Jones, you know what I'm talking about. Remember the box pops open and all the scary, spooky things come out and rip everyone's face off. I don't know that that ever happened in the Bible, but it made a great for Hollywood thing. If you've not seen it, Netflix, it's, it's amazing. It'll change your life. But anyway, there's this box where God's presence rested. God's presence was there. And so the enemies of God's people realized, hey, every time they parade this box out, people's faces are getting melted off. So we probably should steal this thing so that they can't win it anymore. So they do. They actually go in and steal it. Well, not good things happen to them when they steal it. They're like, get this thing out of here. Like, terrible things are going on. So they decide to send it back. Well, this was a really big deal for God's people. David is so excited when they begin to bring it back in town. They're like, parade this thing in. It's like Main Street Parade. Do, 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 do. I don't know what music they played then, but they had some music going on. They brought the ark in, and David is dancing like crazy. He's worshiping. Matter of fact, the Bible actually says that David's wife was embarrassed she was actually embarrassed. She's like, you are embarrassing me. What do you think? You are not acting priestly. This is not, this is not how a king acts. What do you think? You're, I mean, this is the worship that he got. Matter of fact, it's probably how many of you were acting Thursday night during the Carolina and Steelers game, right? I mean, you probably, I was going to say now, some of you wives were probably embarrassed by your husbands, but I have seen some of you ladies Steelers fans, and you might have been embarrassing your husband. I'm just going to go out there and say that, but that's the kind of worship that he had. He was just so full of enthusiasm because he worshiped God daily. And maybe that's happened before you, with you before, that enthusiasm that you felt. Maybe at one time you read a word or in the daily devotion or on your Bible app, the verse came up and it was like, man, that, that verse just spoke to me in that moment. Maybe in just worship today or worship at another time or you're driving in your car and you have that music on, you had that moment where you felt God's presence and you just know that he was with you. Maybe you prayed and you saw God answer that prayer and it just brought that enthusiasm because you're like, man, God really does answer prayers. He's with me. Maybe you serve someone, you use the gift or the talent, the ability that you had and you serve someone and you saw God make a difference in their life or you just were excited by seeing God use you in that way. Or maybe you gave and you were generous or you began tithing or whatever it was and you saw that God answered that and he provided for you and showed that he was generous too. Whatever it was, it becomes about trusting God, walking God with God, and worshiping God. And that is how we become filled with God. That's where the enthusiasm comes from. It comes from walking with him, it comes with trusting him, and it comes with worshiping him. Not just sporadically, but in a daily basis, if we begin to do that, we will find ourselves filled with God's presence. And so as we take a look at David and we see the ontheos, we see the enthusiasm that he has in his life, I want to actually take a look at two different seasons in David's life. 
We can see him as a kid, as we just talked about when he was facing Goliath. He's a young boy at this point. He's not very big. Matter of fact, the Bible actually says the king at that time, Saul, when he was like, all right, we're going to send this guy out here, he tries to put all of his armor on him. And his armor doesn't even fit, probably because he's this like little peon. So it probably looked really awesome. They put it on him and he like fell over because it was so heavy. The Bible doesn't say that. Maybe the message translation. I'm not sure. But we see that he was young. He was a kid. So we want to take a look at the enthusiasm in his life as a kid. Then we're going to take a look at his enthusiasm, the Theos, as a king. So we continue on where we were in 1 Samuel. Now we get to see that David's going to deliver on the words that he had. So in 1 Samuel 17, 48, it says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David hid under a rock. No, David quickly ran out to meet him. Don't you love this guy? I mean, he's just like, come at me, bro. I mean, he's just running straight for Goliath, reaching into his shepherd bag, taking a stone. Don't you love this? Not like reaching into his sheath and taking out his sword. No, he gets into his fanny pack, right? Whips out a small rock, and he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And I love this. The stone sank in. The stone did not just bounce off this guy's head. The stone sank in. I mean, that's pretty graphic to think about, but man, that rock had it been flying. It hits him in the head. It sinks in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Man, what enthusiasm David had. And we know how the story goes. He delivered on his word. At that point, he does. Someone's like, oh, hey, take my sword. Throws a sword up. I don't know where he got the sword. I think he takes Goliath's sword, right? He takes Goliath's sword and actually, like, lobs his head off. I remember a few months ago, I was actually sharing the story with my girls, because, you know, everyone knows David and Goliath. But we just kind of got into the details. And I'm like, and then they chopped his head off. And they're like, wait, what? Whoa. You know, it was like everything in the story was cool. They're like, wait, what, that's really in there? Yes, they chopped his head off. Like, they just, they just, they cut his head off. It's in there. I'm not making this up. So some of their artwork looked great that week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what is this? At school. Well, that's Goliath. He doesn't have a head. Anyway, <laughs> none of that was planned. So that's the enthusiasm that he had as a kid. But now we want to take a look. Fast forward. David becomes king. You need to go through a whole lot to become king, but he gets to this point. He becomes king, and so now we jump ahead in 2 Samuel, and we take a look at David. It says, in the spring at time when kings go off to war. So where is he supposed to be? He's king. He's supposed to be at war, but that's not what happens. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked out on the roof of the palace. And if you know the story of David, you know this is where things turn really south in his story. See, when he was walking out on the roof, he happened to look over a few rooftops over, and there was a woman named Bathsheba who was actually bathing on the rooftop. And Nova ever asked the question, what was Bathsheba doing bathing on her rooftop? And I'm going to ask the question, what was she doing bathing on her rooftop? We don't know, but he sees her bathing over there, and David's like, oh, hey, you know, gets one of his guys, can you uh, go get her, see if she needs any kind of ministry or prayer, you know, something I can do for her, can you bring her over here, maybe a little laying on the hands, anyway, so he, he, <laughs> he brings her over, right, and he finds out she's married, and he does some really terrible things, he actually has her husband killed, and then he takes her as his own, and so this really just turns south for David really quick, and the enthusiasm that he once had, now it just seems like not really great anymore, and so he actually 
was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, saw something he wasn't supposed to see, he thought something he wasn't supposed to think, he did something he wasn't supposed to do, and he lost something he was never supposed to lose. Why? Because he was somewhere he was never supposed to be. And so we take a look at this, and you have to ask yourself, what happened here? And I think it's simply this, that with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve his God. So as a kid, he ran into battle to serve his God. But as a king, with apathy, he walked on the roof to serve his own comfort. You see the difference there? That when he was a kid, he ran into battle. He's running straight at Goliath. I mean, he's in the thick of it. He's in the middle of it. He's leading the charge. But now as a king, when he's supposed to be out leading the charge, he is now serving his own comfort as he walks on the roof. So how did a man with such enthusiasm as a kid lose it when he became a king? I think it's simply because he took, of his, took his eyes off his calling and instead put it on his own comfort. He lost his enthusiasm because he, instead of putting it on God, instead of putting that enthusiasm and trusting and, and serving God and serving the calling that God put in his life, he instead began serving his own comfort. And so we have to ask the question today, which of the two best represents you? Which best represents me? I mean, just be honest with yourself in that moment. Are, are you charging into spiritual battle? Do you, do you have that enthusiasm that, that David had as a kid or instead as a king? Are you, have you lost that on Theos? Have you lost that enthusiasm and instead are serving your own comfort and looking to be comfortable? Are you willing to use the gifts that God has placed inside of you to, to serve others, to, to make a difference? Or are you saying, man, someone else can take care of that, someone else can do that? Or, or maybe have you, have you begin to pray? Have you begin to see like, man, there's just things that are going on in the world or my family or my friends and someone just needs to begin to pray and intercede and just cry out to God on their behalf. If you begin to pray or you're like, man, I just don't have the time. I'm, I'm too busy. Have you been giving? Have you been generous? Not just with your money, but of, of your time and of your resources and of who you are to other people. Or you're like, man, it's just all about my comfort and taking care of myself. We have to ask ourselves, do we have the enthusiasm as David as a kid? Are we full of that on Theos? Or instead, are we simply just chasing our own comfort as David did as a king? See, when David took his eyes off his calling and put it on his comfort, it really became a tragic issue of what many people in the church look like today. That instead of serving God, instead of chasing after him, instead of being full of that on Theos, instead of being full of enthusiasm, instead we simply began to chase our own comfort. As a matter of fact, we see this in the book of Revelation as they address the church in Ephesus. It says this in Revelation 2-4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. See, you once were serving God. You once were chasing after him, but now you have forsaken the love that you had at first for God. And now, instead, you are simply just not, you're not following him anymore, but you've got to go back and do the things that you did at first. And I think that's a really great reminder for us, and it's such a great reminder for me. Because there's been those moments in my life where I had that enthusiasm. I was full of that on Theos. I was spending the time with God. And then whatever happened, maybe I was serving my own comfort, or maybe things just got busy, and I didn't really put the time and the effort in anymore. And I love this verse as a reminder to go back and do the things that you first did. 
that many times when we come to that relationship with Jesus, it's exciting. And it's exciting to see what God has done for you, that he's forgiven you, that he's changed your life, that he's done all these amazing things for you. And it so seems easy in those moments to have that enthusiasm. And you're like, man, yeah, we're praying and see God answer. And yeah, we're serving and getting involved and everything's great. And it's awesome to see that. And then as time goes by, it seems like just like David, instead of running and charging into battle, we instead begin serving our own comfort. I've been there so many times in my life. It's so easy to slip into that moment. See, I was on Theos. I once had that enthusiasm, but now I'm not. And if you're in that place, what do you do? What do you do if you had it and you lost it? Well, I think it's simply what we talked about with David. You've got to trust, you've got to walk, and you've got to worship God daily. See, David figured this out in his life. See, he had a good friend named Nathan who actually called him out with this whole story with Bathsheba. Nathan goes and tells him a story. He's like, hey, David, there was this guy, and he saw this other dude's sheep. He saw this other guy's lamb. It wasn't his lamb to take. And matter of fact, he went over and just stole this lamb from this guy. And then after that, he had the guy killed. And David's like, gets enraged. He's like, who would do such a terrible thing? That person needs to be put to death. I mean, that's awful. That's terrible. Who would do such a thing? And Nathan's like, boom, that's you. You did that. You are that guy. And David recognizes and he, he repents and we actually can see in Psalm 51, he cries out and he says in Psalm 51.10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So why are we enthusiastic? Why do we have that on Theos? If nothing else, it's simply because Jesus saved my soul. That we can have that enthusiasm, like it says in Psalms 51, 12, the joy of your salvation. That we can be filled with that enthusiasm, that on Theos, even if we don't feel like that, even if the environment completely around us says there is no reason to have any enthusiasm, that we can have that in our life. See, enthusiasm is not a product of our environment. It's a posture of our heart. So begin to think about how, how enthusiasm, if this really took hold in our life, if we really were full of that, on, that, that, that joy of the Lord, if we were really full with that enthusiasm, how would it begin to change the climate around you? Think about that for a moment. Think about in your job, if you really took that verse in Colossians seriously, and that no matter what you do, you're doing it for the Lord, what would it look like if you served God in your job and you realize it's not about sacred, it's not about the secular, it's just about giving God everything that you have and leaving it all on the field, putting all of your work into it, never using the phrase, that's not my job, but you just really put everything into it and did everything that you could to leave. What would that do for your work environment? What would happen in that climate around you? What would happen at home that you came home and you saw your spouse? You're like, I'm so excited to see you today. At first they might be like, have you been drinking? But then like, if you keep doing it several times, what would happen in that environment? What would change in that, in that home, in that climate if you really began to show that enthusiasm? What if instead of getting home, instead of just plopping on the TV or playing on your phone, you really just took time to invest into your family, into your kid's life, and you just like, let's build a, let's build a fort blanket, blanket fort tonight. Let's just, let's have fun. Let's go outside. Let's go rake the leaves and jump in them. Let's really just have a good time. What would happen in that climate if we allowed that enthusiasm for our families to begin to change us? What if instead of being like, man, should we go to church this week, or I don't know if I have the time for it, what if we had the enthusiasm, we were filled for that on Theos, and be like, I can't wait to go to church this week. I can't wait to worship 
worship God. I can't wait to come along other side people who are also trying to follow after Jesus. What would it look like in the environments in our life if we allowed that on theos, that enthusiasm in us to change the environments that we were in? I believe that if we began to do that, we would see some drastic change begin to take place. And recognizing in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not human masters. That no matter what you put your hands to, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your job, it's your work, whether it's your relationship with God, no matter what it is, whatever you put your hands to, if you begin to view it, that I am doing this as unto the Lord, it'll begin to change how you begin to approach things and do things that you're filled with that enthusiasm. And just like that dude rocking that little Caesar sign, playing it, shredding it out there, just killing it out on that corner, and you see the enthusiasm, and you saw how it changed the very nature of one intersection in Memphis, Tennessee, that I believe that if you begin to live our, your life with enthusiasm, not just for something natural, like selling pizza, but recognizing that we have the ultimate reason to have enthusiasm because Jesus saved our souls. We can be filled with ontheos. We can be filled with God. We can be in him. So as we wrap up today, the band's going to come up and we're going to sing one last song together. But before we do, I just want to take a moment and just take a moment and pray for us because maybe like me, you've been there before where you felt that you had that on Theos. You feel like you had that moment where you, you were full of God, that God was doing things in your life, that you were really excited to serve God and do everything that you could to make his name known, to serve him, to follow him. And maybe like me, you, you lost your way at one point. Maybe it became about serving your own comfort, and it was like, man, someone else can take care of that. Maybe like David, you were in a place where you shouldn't have been, and it turned you down a path that wasn't so great. But whatever the reason, whatever, whatever happened, that you can take the moment today to recommit yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to begin to take the step. And I'm not saying that you're going to go out and be like, man, I'm going to be full of enthusiasm. I'm going to walk out that door, and everything's going to change. That might not be the case. But if you begin to take the small steps of walking God with God, of trusting God, of worshiping God daily. I begin to believe that you will begin to see that enthusiasm in your life change the climate and change the environments around you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to bring you glory with our lives. God, and I just pray today for those of us who feel that we once had that enthusiasm, that we recognize that in ourselves, that we once were like David when he was a young man, that he was just full of that enthusiasm, filled with you and just running into battle. And somewhere along the line, it became about serving our own comfort. God, I just pray that that spark that we had, that we would just recognize even like David and come back to you and recognizing that it's not about fault or failure or pointing fingers or feeling guilty, but God, it's recognizing that you are a loving God who is always there waiting to accept us always waiting with open arms for us to come back. So God, I pray that we would be filled with that enthusiasm once again, that we begin to take those steps and put those practices into place to daily spend time with you, to walk with you, 
to just pray and just just talk to you, to conversate with you, to pray to you, to, to read about you, to get in devotion and spend time in your word. God, to spend time worshiping you. And God, that doesn't have to look like always what we do here on a Sunday morning and singing songs, but just recognizing you even in nature and being like, God, I just give you praise for that incredibly beautiful sunset. I give you praise for this beautiful day. I give you praise for the amazing colors of the trees. God, you are such a good God. I just begin to praise you daily. I just pray that we would return back just like you challenged us in Revelation to go back and do the things that we once did, to do the thing that we first did, to bring you honor, to bring you glory, that everything that we do is serving you, that we don't serve just earthly masters, but everything that we do is doing it to bring you glory, doing it as unto the Lord. So God, I thank you for renewing that enthusiasm in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.